I'm podcasting with friends now. Welcome to the Nexus. Thank you. It's, it's delightful to be in the Nexus this evening. How are you? I'm great. So let me start with my open-ended question for you. Did you come up with an open-ended question for me? Um, no, I did not. <laughs> you know, I came with, I came with my ready to discuss uh, our topic for this evening. Um, and uh, in lieu of, and I hope this doesn't disappoint fans too much. Uh, rather than closing out with a Mike Schmidt trivia question this evening, I felt like we should uh, continue down the path of planning the uh, Mike and Donna Schmidt uh, anniversary special. <laughs> because I am committed that this is going to happen. They will not return uh, my calls. But but I, I caught something when I was re-listening to our, la to our last episode. I caught something that you said uh, when I was reviewing it that I did not catch when you said it live. <laughs> you said that he's kind of a jerk. Yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, Which, Mike uh, He was not a friendly, uh, not friendly to fans to give autographs, not friendly to the media. Uh, Pete Rose is a very friendly Media guys, funny. So the you know, the three biggest Phillies when I was growing up were Pete Rose, Mike Schmidt, Steve Carlton. Carlton didn't speak to the media at all. Mike Schmidt was just kind of a jerk, and there was Pete Rose, who we all love, but he turned out to be the biggest jerk of them all. Yeah, wow. So should, let me ask for forgiveness for Pete. I still love Pete Rose. I really don't think Pete's a jerk. So just in case the off chance that this podcast makes it to Pete Rose's ears, I I still love Pete Rose. So the moral of the story is, don't cheer for the Phillies and don't buy fancy feast or fancy feast related products. Oh, uh, you know what you did. Fancy they know feast. What, you know, what you did fancy feast. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So let's start with your open-ended question and perhaps it will draw me into, uh, um, it will inspire me to come up with one of mine. Okay. So I recently back from my Disney trip. Uh -huh. And so my thought is this, one of my favorite rides uh, and it actually matches up with our topic tonight, is Rock and Roll Roller Coaster. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. However, I think it is very poorly themed with Aerosmith. I just think that it seems dated. Like it was built in the late 90s. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. And it's in need of a refresh. But I don't know what band that should be. Or should it be different types of music? For, of different types of... I don't think it should lose the rock and roll theming. And I actually like the ride itself. I just don't like that. It's one of the worst cues. First off, you wait forever outside in the hot Florida sun. And mm -hmm. number two, when, once you get in, it's just that you watch that video of them in a recording studio, which the whole story is just kind of lame and seems forced. So what should we do with that ride? What should they do with that ride? Should they retheme it with a different band? Or you can defend Aerosmith if you want. I think that you should bring all of the ghosts from the Tower of Terror over into that ride and make it about an escape from the uh, ghosts and zombies and demons from the Tower of Terror. Interesting. It's a dark twist I didn't expect. <laughs> and maybe, maybe even borrow some of the ones from the Haunted Mansion over in the Magic Kingdom. Huh. 
Well, I'm, I'm for I'm for I'm for all ghostly rides all the time. Uh, no, I, I, I. So honestly, truthfully, uh, my first thought was to. Um, could you incorporate some sort of Tomorrowland type theme into that? Um, make it less about an existing band or a current popular band. Because, yeah, you're right. The Aerosmith, I certainly agree with you 100% that that video before the ride starts is forced. It, yes, I mean, it forced. just doesn't, you know, it, it, I was never comfortable with getting in that limo just because of Steven Tyler's, you know, encouragement. I don't feel like um, he wants me in the limo at all. I, I don't either. I don't either. I didn't feel like he earned me. Um, and <laughs> he needs to so, woo me more. Um, but I don't know. I think that if you put in somebody that is popular now, then you're just going to run into the same problem over and over again. So how do you, you want to, if you want to fix it, you want to fix it at least on a semi-permanent basis. And you know, we know at Disney that nothing's ever permanent, but on a, a, a something that's going to give it a little bit more longevity. Um, and so maybe a, a, in a sense, more of a, I don't know how to say this. I, this is not the right term, but I can't think of anything else off the top of my head. More of a generic band, um, a, a, something that would fit permanently, you know, uh, you could do different music, not just Aerosmith music, certainly. Um, but as far as the band itself, of course you could trash that video altogether. Um, the video is, is terrible. And you wait, you wait forever to get in there and there's just, yes. there's no yeah. payoff. It's yeah. not, and it's not even fun. And it's a great, but once you get in the ride itself, the ride is great. Yeah, it is. It's, it's phenomenal. But see, here's the thing, and, and this is kind of where, why, why I lean this way. Space Mountain is my favorite ride of all time. I love Space Mountain. I know that the space theme that's incorporated into it is very, very dated, almost like something out of original Star Trek, um, but it's, it still works and will still continue to work because it fits into the overall theme of what Tomorrowland was supposed to be. There's, there's two things that, that I like about Space Mountain, I think, that, that make it unique, that, that aren't that it's in the dark and that it's a roller coaster. One is I like... I forgot. I forgot the, okay, I got it now. So one that I like is when you... I like the exit of that ride, where you're kind of going up an escalator. Yeah. And you're looking yeah. at like supposed like uh, landing on another planet, and someone's like doing some yes. geology there. Yes. Uh, so I think the exit is cool because it's a very long exit. Yes. And I also like the fact that you can go back into Space Mountain on the People Mover, and you can yes. you can hear it and see it. Yes. Yes. I also like the very long entrance. I know it's not a lot of people's you? cup of tea, but. I, space Mountain is futuristic space that is somehow retro at the same time. Yeah. And, that, and that's the problem is, so w when you walk into that queue and you, you know, you walk down several flights of stairs and then mm -hmm. you kind of work your way up and mm -hmm. that can be a hard wait if it's too long, but yes. at least you're like immersed in that ride. Whereas rock and roll roller coaster, you're just standing out there forever. 
Yeah. And then you go in this tiny little door, and there's like a hallway mm-hmm. there with some posters, and then you go in that mm-hmm. recording studio room. And then it's nighttime in L.A. It just it seems so... It's just weirdly, oddly pieced together. And I, I don't know, Aerosmith does not excite me. I can understand that. I mean, you know, uh, particularly here in 2022. Um, you know, even even if you if you were an Aerosmith fan, as you said in the 90s, and I mean, in the 90s, I wouldn't say they were in their prime, but they were still they were still a big name. Um, you know, quick shout out to Scandals. Uh, they used to close the bar every night with an Aerosmith song. I didn't know that. Um, Yes, absolutely. There goes my old girlfriend. There's another diamond ring. Um, tell me what it takes to let you go. That was the song. Um, so that was whenever that song came on. That's what shut down scandals. And that was in that was in the in the mid nineties. Yeah, well, uh, they had that. They had a resurgence there around ninety three. Yeah, with Alicia Silverstone, their videos and every song they released. I think it was crying. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was what the other crazy, yep. And there was another one. They all sounded exactly the same to me. And then I they had uh, the Armageddon song. Yes, yes. Um, I don't want to miss a thing. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm very much with you on that ride. I love the ride itself. It is it, it's very good. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. But uh, I would. I think so. I'm going to go with. I think that there needs to be some something a little more generic that can. I don't mind the rock and roll thing. I also don't mind. I don't know if you've been to Universal. Have you been to Universal? Not in a very long time. I, okay. In fact, I'm going to say no because it's been since like ninety ninety two. Last time I went there, Universal has a ride. It's I don't even know what it's called. It's some sort of rock and roller coaster where you actually you get on the ride and it's it's crazy fast uh, big drops and all that kind of stuff but while you're on it you get to pick from this it's almost like you have your own uh, uh, iPod or iPhone uh, attached to your your car and you get to pick a theme song and they have a pretty it's a pretty substantial list of songs like for me and I know this is going to make you cringe but I picked Kickstart My Heart by Motley Crue um, and that was the song that was playing in my headset as I am riding this crazy roller coaster. And I thought that was really neat. Um, a really neat concept. Cause you know, there were, I mean, there were probably, I don't know, probably 50 songs to choose from. And all of them were really fast. There was, you know, there wasn't crying <laughs> or, or something <laughs> like that on there. You know, it was all very love hurts. Uh, if they know. could, if they gave you a list of Aerosmith songs and I could pick sweet emotion or walk this way with run DMC, I would probably enjoy the ride more. Right. But, I, but yes. I still think that video just needs to, needs to be cut. Yeah. Agreed. So I would go with, so my point to telling you about that roller coaster is that I think that you could change up songs, you know, have a lot of different, you know, kind of hard rock, heavy metal, thrash kind of songs that you know kind of head banging sort of thing and incorporate that into the ride but make the the rest of it just more of a general generic rock and roll theme you could do some sort of you know almost like a guitar hero something kind of video if you had to have that up front for you know the the whole this is how we funnel the crowd in type logistical deal um 
but that's kind of that's kind of where my mind goes, just out, off the cuff. That's a good and answer. What What is your answer to that? In general, I, I'm not sure what the answer is. I think that well, first I'd probably get Aerosmith out of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you could retheme it with something more interesting. I would have said, you know, six or seven years ago, make it like a Star Wars ride where you're going to hyperspace, but now they have a ride like that. So, I don't know. I, I don't have a great answer. I think even it would make it better if you could pick the Aerosmith song you were listening to. That would be kind of cool. But I just okay. don't like it. It's, it's a very forced, it feels very, the whole the whole entrance into that ride seems dated, but the, yet the ride doesn't. And like, you're right about Space Mountain where you, it just, the whole thing feels retro. And and it just feels walking into Space Mountain into that darkness and that long walkway. That's a good feeling. Yeah. And you don't mind waiting yeah. for that. By the way, another horrible cue to a great ride is Soren. Soren is a terrific ride, but that long hallway of a queue is horrendous. Yes, it really and truly is. Really and truly is. So I take it the crowds were somewhat high for you guys. They were this extremely time? high, I would say. Yeah. yeah. So my advice to anyone who's listening as a Disney fan is to stay on property and Mm -hmm. to use Genie Plus and purchase Lightning Lanes because they will save Mm -hmm. you lots of time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Did they have meal plans? Uh, No, they didn't. Okay. We used to, we mobile ordered everything and that was great. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. So um, my question to you uh, is this. So you watch a movie, and the movie ends in, for lack of a better word, I'm going to say somewhat of a cliffhanger. Okay. But then the movie doesn't do well in the box office, and so the sequel is scrapped. What do you think a better recourse would be than just you're screwed? Wow. Is there a movie you're thinking of? Well, one that I think of, and it wasn't that great a movie, but it ended like on this major cliffhanger, and there will be no resolution because it bombed at the box office, and that's the last Airbender. Never saw it. It was that's a, yeah, it's one of M Night Shyamalan's follies. Um, I think that I do feel cheated when it happens, and I remember there was a. Do you remember the TV show It's Your Move with Jason Bateman? Vaguely. So in that show, he creates some kind of band where he like, it's not a real band, but he's somehow like, almost like a puppeteer of this band. Mm-hmm. And he gets busted at the very last episode. And that's it. That was a whole series. It never made any more. And I just feel like, I feel still cheated to this day. It's probably like 1984. <laughs> I'm still yeah. waiting for more. Well, I would say that certainly that certainly happens even more with TV than it does with movies. It does. It does a lot um, with TV. What yeah. bothers me more is the uh, is the cliffhanger that's never addressed in the sequel, as if it just never happened. Oh yeah. Example? Can you give an example of that? I was thinking of the Last Jedi was coming to mind uh, with with the cliffhanger that was totally wasted, where you know. Just about to hand look that lightsaber, and he just looks or grabs and throws it over his shoulder and walks away. I feel like I waited years for that, two years for that moment for him to just throw it away. Um, 
and then some I'm trying to think what else from from Force Awakens. Yeah, the whole Ray's parents thing never materialized in in the Last Jedi. Yeah. I yeah. thought Back to the Future did a great job of of picking up both mo all two movies leading into the third one both have cliff cliffhangers. Uh and mm -hmm. they resolve them well and they resolve the series at the end. So Back to the Future is just a perfect trilogy. Back to the Future is an excellent trilogy. It really and truly is. I wasn't crazy and I still am not crazy about the second movie. Um I, Go back. It, when it, was the last it, time you watched it? Um, not terribly long ago. I'd say within the last five years. I do think that it works. It's just kind of supposed to be like this this agent of chaos. And, yeah. And with you watch it that in mind, it's 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 a hard movie to watch as a standalone movie. Yeah. So if you if if you watch it right after the first one. Or right before the third one, especially right before the third one, it's better. It's not good after the first movie because the half of that movie takes place. We probably mentioned this in the podcast before. Half of that second movie takes place during the first movie, which I think is a huge flaw. Yeah, I, I just felt. I, I think that my my <clears throat> my struggle with the second one is that. The first and the third, I, I didn't. I felt like the second one was a little bit darker than it needed to be. And I don't. And, and I'd have to go back and watch it again to really uh, uh, elaborate on that statement. Uh, so it's dark. Not, I mean, George McFly is dead. His mother's an alcoholic. Biff yeah. tries to murder. We find out Biff murdered his dad. He's trying to yeah. kill Marty. It's very dark. Yeah, and 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 I think that that. I just felt the first one I felt like was fairly lighthearted, uh -huh. um, complex, but lighthearted. Nonetheless, the third one, you know, I mean, the third one is, is so such a unique film and I just love it because everything in it works so well. Um, uh, but it's, you know, it's this, it's a back to the future movie, but it's also a Western and it's a really good Western. And so keep this in mind. So everything you said, though, it makes sense. The second movie has to be dark to show the consequences of messing with, with time. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll yield on that. But that doesn't answer my initial question. What do, you, what, what do you feel like a recourse would be to being left on a cliffhanger with no, no I mean, that's it. That's the, that's the end. I don't know. I, I, I guess it's just best to leave it like that, and then you just kind of rewrite it in your head. Because probably wouldn't be satisfied if someone wrote a statement. Well, this is what would have happened. Yeah, so I, I guess, guess you so. Just, you just leave it. So an another one that comes to mind. So in uh, in the early two thousands, uh, a guy named Christopher Paolini wrote uh, a series uh, called The Inheritance trilogy which ended up actually being four books um yeah i, I remember there was a, a blue one a red one a black one yeah yeah i read i read at least three of those well see so the first one was aragon yeah and they made a movie was a blue one right yes and they made a movie with jeremy irons in the movie and it bombed and, and jeremy irons and john malkovich were both in the movie and it bombed at the box office but it was the first part of it was the first movie of the series of books, but there won't be another one. 
And so I'm kind of like, well, that sucks. You know, that that's um, it, it's it's reverse Game of Thrones. Well, yeah. <laughs> the, the problem with that, the problem with the whole series, and I read those books, is that they were so similar to Lord of the Rings. And and we know Tolkien was one of his inspirations because he says Without that. Without question, yes, yes. I just think I mean, it was too it was too close to that the time of those movies. But I also think that you know, I didn't even see Aragon, so I can't really say. It. But let me give you the one that I'm thinking of: is the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory ends with them in the glass elevator. We've never yes. gotten. And here here's the flaw of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory as a movie. Those movies should not be live. They should be claymation or they should be animated. Hmm. Because they would, they would be so much more interesting. Like, the moment Gene Wilder is great, but it definitely lacks in effects. But he makes up for it in his, in his wit, and just that movie has a certain charm about it. His zaniness. Right, and it's, it's really hard to figure out in that movie, like, most of the people seem to be American, but the movie seems to be set in somewhere in the middle of Europe. Yeah, uh, based just, on that village that they live in, that always confused yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the one with Johnny Depp, which I never—I'm gonna be honest with you—I couldn't even get through the whole thing. That movie suffered from way too much technology, too much special effects. Yeah. So they could make a great glass elevator sequel. Just make it animated, or make it in claymation style, something like that. It just—it was—they've been done the wrong way. But that one always—that's the one always stood out to me was the Great Glass Elevator. We see him get in it, he's riding in it, and it just ends. Yeah. And we know there's a sequel. Unfortunately, I think the reason why that was never made because, as a sequel as a book, the Great Glass Elevator is just not a very good sequel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think that I don't know if we talked about this. Um, but I feel like I've had this conversation recently, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start it right now. And if I've had it before, then we, need to, then we can terminate it. But The NeverEnding Story. You saw this movie, yes? I did. It's been a long time. Okay. Well, you know, there's a book. And The NeverEnding Story movie is based on the first half of the book. Oh, and there's nothing after that. And they didn't make the sequel, which probably with good reason, because the sequel is terrible. And it's about how the kid, you know, the kid that's in the real world, his name was Bastion, by the mm -hmm. way. He's a whole apple core, which always bothered me. How he... Can't get past that. Goes into, does the thing at the end of the movie where he starts making the wishes to bring back Fantasia. But then he goes there. And he becomes like corrupt and evil and horrible. And the rest of the story is about the people of Fantasia like rebelling against his heinous rule. <laughs> so tell me about that sequel. <laughs> and I think that there's a little known sequel called Charlie and the Periodontist where Charlie takes a heel turn against sweets and chocolate <laughs> and wages war against the Oompa Loompas. I think that's and it becomes genocidal. It's it's very dark. Yes, yes. Okay. So I think we've I think we've expounded enough on these <laughs> questions tonight at the uh, twenty three minute mark. Um, yeah, but I was holding on to that Charlie and the Periodontist for a few minutes. Just yeah. To find I, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm glad you were able to work that in. So um, concerts. We were we we're, we're talking concerts tonight. Yes. Yeah, so I divided. 
I think the best way to start is to just kind of go back and do it chronologically. And mine's kind of, I'll tell you about mine. I'll, I'll just give you my general overview. So mine stretches from 1984 to really present day. And it covers Philadelphia, Rock Hill, Charlotte, Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania, Athens, Georgia, Boston, Clemson, South Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina, Scranton, Pennsylvania, Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I don't think I've seen any concerts here in Louisiana, but I'm going to Garth Brooks in uh, next month. Oh, look at you. Look at you. So um, I'm assuming that a couple of these are probably one-offs that you just went to one concert in those specific places because of who it was. Is There's that, a couple of them, accurate? yeah, yeah. You can probably guess them too. There's three of uh, them that are the one, the one in Pennsylvania, Scranton. Uh, yes, that was definitely one off. I've got. I can talk. I could do a whole podcast just on that day. But you, there's also, didn't you say something like Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania? Yes. Is that also a one off? That's a one off. And I'm gonna go out. Okay, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say the other one is either going to be. You also said Boston. Is it Boston's Boston? A one, Boston's a one-off. So that Charles, all the one-offs? Yes. Charleston okay. might be, but... that's That was going to be my other guess when I was pontificating there, was that it might be Charleston. Um, so, I, 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 I'm... Your memory, as we've established previously in uh, <laughs> other podcasts, uh, has is exceptionally better than mine. And uh, mine is also, there is a two-decade-long haze of uh, things which we won't get into uh, because this is a family podcast um, that really will, in the, word, in the uh, spirit of Back to the Future, disrupt the time continuum of my <laughs> mind. Uh, so mine will be a lot of uh, uh, far-flung and uh wide ranging that I might say, oh yeah, and I forgot about this. Um scenarios. Uh I can probably do some decent geography, but I don't know that I can do it chronologically. Um I can give you my first concerts uh because there's about three of them where that were right around the same time. And so I'm not really one hundred percent sure which was which. Uh, was it um, REM then the Chili Peppers? No, 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 no. I had concert experience before that. Wow. Um, my very first concert, I mean, if you're, if you're insisting that I go first. So let's do this. I, I think I can go, I think I can do in order for the first couple. So let me give you my first couple, and they are probably all within six or eight months of one another. Okay. Um, and, then I'll, and then let's hear your first experience. So, so my first known experience was with my parents um that i can remember i think this one was first and that was the oak ridge boys um yes yes of of the same of the same name yes of the same fame um the oak ridge boys um i had uh a bruce springsteen early on uh, probably in like the fourth or fifth grade. And okay. I had 
interestingly enough, I also had Rick Springfield with Till Tuesday early on. Ooh. Um, that was a very early concert in, in my life. And Rick Springfield was absolutely fantastic. I mean, I will say that to this day. He was great. Uh, there are Tuesday. some acts that just really surprise you. I, I, I think Brandy and I, and I, it's not on my list, I think we saw Amy Mann, who's the lead singer of Till Tuesday in concert, but I'm not 100% sure. So, yeah, with that one, you know, it was they sang Voices Carry, and that was about all I could, you know, all I could tell you, you know. Um, that, that's kind of, I don't know if you ever remember David Spade used to do a, uh, a, a bit on Saturday Night Live News. I think it was called in a minute or something like that or a minute with David Spade or something. And he talked about one hit wonders. And he said he was talking about going to see them in concert. And he said he went to see big country in concert and they didn't sing in a big country. He said, that's <laughs> like all you needed to sing. He said, you could have, he said, and then he finished with, he said, next week I'm going to sing, go see uh, Laura Branigan. He said, I'd like for you to sing to open with Gloria and to close with Gloria, and to sing Gloria a few times in between. Yes. <laughs> Lauren Brennigan had one other, I can't remember it now, it's almost another. Self-Control. The other song yeah. was Self-Control. Take my self-control. Yeah. So, yeah, um, but, but, yeah, so, you know, Till Tuesday, uh, they sang Voices Carry, I remember that, but that's, that's probably all I can, all I can muster in that regard. But now, Rick Springfield was phenomenal. He really I was bet. great. Um, so those three, I also saw the who very early on, maybe Ooh, fifth grade. Nice. I saw Iron Maiden, uh, with twisted sister in the sixth grade. And I saw kiss the first time I saw kiss. And I think we covered this in the last podcast was no makeup kiss yeah, with that's a mistake with crocus. And uh, that's K-R-O-K-U-S for those who are, are wa wanting to Google that one. Actually, um, I'm taking notes, so I've got a list here. So those are among my earliest concerts uh, that, that I can think of. So, uh, you know, Springsteen, phenomenal. Obviously, The Who, phenomenal. Obviously, Rick Springfield, uh, but really stands out there. Uh, you know, the Oak Ridge Boys, they were fine. I, I was a you know, probably third or fourth grade, and Elvira was just, you know, that was awesome because, uh, you know, they sang that, and it was, it was great. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, that's yeah, – Iron Maiden was a little bit scary in the sixth grade. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, but it was, it was good. You know, it's some of these things I'm like, I can't believe my parents let me do this. But, you know. See, and I'm even remember so. ones right now, even as we're talking, I'm thinking of, of other ones I've seen here. So where did you start? What was what was the first one that you recollect? Okay, so the first one definitely for sure, the first concert I ever went to was the Jackson's Victory Tour in 1984 wow. because Michael Jackson didn't tour off a of Thriller. Thriller was released in 82. Yeah. He didn't tour until 84 with his brothers off their Victory album, uh -huh. uh, which was, was an album that had the song Torture on it. That was the hit uh -huh. from that album. Uh -huh. So I, I know that, I think that in 84, I'm either, because my birthday is in June, so I'm either 10 or 11 that year. And I think that was in the spring of 84. And I remember not wanting to go. 
I remember throwing. I don't know why I was protesting. I liked Michael Jackson. I do remember the concert. So the concert was at JFK in Philadelphia, and JFK Stadium was a very big outdoor stadium. They yes. played the Army Navy game there for years. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what concert is it most famous for, Scott? What at JFK? Yeah. Uh, is that where Live Aid was? That's right. No. That's where Live Aid yeah. was. In, yeah, in, in the America. States, so, and right. it was in Wim at Wembley, I believe. In uh, right. Correct. In, yeah, yeah. And so this was a year before Live Aid. Mm -hmm. That we see that. So that's the first. And I remember, I, I remember there were a lot of green lasers, which probably were really impressive in 1984. Mm -hmm. I remember Michael Jackson hardly said anything. He said, beat it once. And then he said to the crowd, can I go down there? Those are the only times he spoke. His brothers talked the, the rest of the time. So he hardly said anything. He sang. He sounded great. He danced. All that was good. We kind of sat to the, the stage. If you're looking at the stage, we sat to the right in the bleachers on the side of the stadium. Mm -hmm. I remember mm -hmm. it being a good concert. I'm glad I saw Michael Jackson. But it's the second yeah, concert. Can... Go ahead. No, I, I can honestly say that's one I've never seen and, and now never will. Yeah, it was. I'm, I'm glad I got to see Michael Jackson. Yeah, that I'm is glad that's I a know. great one. Uh, I'm glad my parents took us. It was both it was me and my parents and my brother. Okay. And so the, the second one is the one that probably changes concert going for me forever because it's such a good one. And that is in 1986. I'm in seventh grade now. Mm -hmm. And it is the Monkees and Weird Al together. Oh. And, and this is at the Man Music Center, which I'm, I will go on to see many more shows there. Uh, the Man Music Center was an outdoor amphitheater in Philadelphia, which mm -hmm. was uh, – I'll get into that part later. But anyway, so the monkeys and Weird Al. Weird Al comes out. This is at the height of Weird Al. This is like yes. off the Dare to Be Stupid album, mm -hmm, like a mm -hmm. surgeon. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think we're quite – yeah, Eat It would have been there, uh, but not yeah. yet to fat. And he – every song he performed was like watching a live music video. He had props. He came out into the crowd several times, and he was just amazing. And he and in between where he was changing, he would have these fake interviews – where he'd have these two screens and it would be him asking questions and like a, a famous person answering them, but clearly he wasn't really interviewing them. <laughs> and one of, I remember one of them was Springsteen. I don't remember any of the questions he asked, but it was, it was like watching a whole comedy routine. It was just a, and that was the opening act. And then, then it's the monkeys minus Michael Naismith, which was still really good. And the monkeys, we can't, the monkeys performed. Maybe this count was off. It was like 36 songs. Now, remember, the Monkees were a TV band, so most of their songs were like two and a half to three minutes. Right. But they, they sang every song that they had. Like every okay. single song that they ever did, they seemed like that they sang it. And it was just a, a great night of music. And That's it was a lot of fun. It was, it was, it was great. Did, so My, did they open with Hey, Hey, We're the Monkees? I know that's I asking you to reach back. That's a really good far. question. My brother would probably remember that. Yeah. It seems like I, I feel like maybe the lights dimmed, mm -hmm. and like maybe like the video screens flickered, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that started to play, mm -hmm. and then they were on the stage, something like that. So I, I used to love the show. I mean, I used uh, to watch it all the time. Uh, I, I still. My, Are you my, suggesting I, an entire episode dedicated to the monkeys? Because I am all in on that. I would need a refresher because I used to watch it a lot when I was in middle and high school. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it now, I think it comes on a, a, one of those kind of retro stations that'll also show like Hogan's heroes and Gilligan's Island like and that cozy kind of TV stuff. or Nick at night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and I think that my kids watch it now sometimes, but, uh, I haven't sat down and watched it in a long time. So I don't know. I, I would love to do that, but I would, I would need to do some refresher because it's been a long time for me. I, would I, I don't think. I don't think I can keep up with you on that for, for very long. I recall watching the monkeys in syndication in the seventies. Mm-hmm. And I remember that it went away and then it came back around 86 mm-hmm. and MTV started showing the episodes, which mm-hmm. actually, which is what caused, caused them to start touring again. And I remember that was one of the first things I was recording on VHS tape were episodes of the monkeys mm-hmm. and just watching them over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. So that those are my first those are my first two, and then well, I have to ahead. say you've made me extraordinarily envious just by your first two, because those are all groups that I've, you know, and as we get into this, I have I have been to oh so many concerts, uh, but but you've got two strong ones there right out of the shoot. That's uh, uh I Weird Al Yankovic, I mean. I guess I think I'm more jealous of that than Michael Jackson. Um, yeah, Weird Al was this. That's one of those ones that I'm proud that I got to see him and saw him at that time, where he was yeah. really, really at his peak, and where the Monkees were. They may have been bigger at that point than they were in the '60s, because they had a. Well, birth, I mean, they they were they were virtually gone from from the public eye for 15 years. Yeah, and then they they toured from from '86 to. When Mike passed away last year. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. So would so, you like me to take you through the rest of the 80s for me? Sure. Go ahead. Okay. So, and we're going to continue in Pennsylvania here. So I think next up is going to be, so we're down the monkeys. That's, that's 86. I'm fairly certain. So then I get into realizing that if I go to any, my parents let me go to any Christian concert that the church goes to. Mm-hmm. So I used to go to those all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we went to something called Creation. You ever hear of that? Creation is so. a five-day Christian rock festival in western Pennsylvania. Okay. And I went in 87 and 88. We saw, remember Carmen? Yes. Carmen was I've there. Seen, I've seen him in concert. Yeah, like people like David Meese. Um, Amy Grant was there. I like, feel like he, Carmen just died recently. He may have. Anyway, go ahead. Anyway, I, I that was the big, big Christian rock festival. Uh, went to that, okay. but um, I thought I thought that definitely should go in there. So then, as we're rounding out the '80s, I know that we saw. See, I think Phil Collins was was ninety at the Spectrum, oh, and I know wow. in eight. In 89, we, my brother, for my 16th birthday, it would be 89, we saw Don Henley at the Spectrum, mm-hmm. uh, where she played all the Eagles hits. Yeah. And then within, within that same time frame, we saw Genesis at Veterans Stadium, and we saw Paul McCartney at Veterans Stadium, which, which both of those were. Phil Collins, by the way, lot Phil Collins solo was actually really good. It was a great show. Genesis mm-hmm. was great. Paul McCartney, who I saw twice, 
um, 10 years apart. He was great. Because I think in, what, 89, he's probably still in his 40s. Ah, uh, yeah. All right, Scott. Uh, so here's... Would he be in his 40s? Yeah, I guess he would. Yeah. So here's yep. the one that will make you jealous that I think I've mentioned before to you. So somewhere around 90 or 91, I think this is around 91, I saw a Spinal Tap in concert. <laughs> this uh, one I already knew. Yeah, already the Troc- with me. The Trocadera. Yeah. And then in 92, I saw, I told you this too, but our listeners don't know, I saw uh, Michael McKean perform solo as David St. Hubbins. Yes. And answer questions in character. Mm-hmm. And that was that was amazing. Mm-hmm. And that, that pretty much rounds out, I think that rounds out my, maybe not. There was so, let me go back to the Man Music Center, and I'm going to be quiet and let you take over. So the Man Music Center was that amphitheater. And the only thing separating from you and the concert, it, so it was in Philadelphia, there's a very large park called Fairmount Park. And the Man Music Center is in that. So a lot of the Man Music Center parking lot was on grass. And so it was like, it was kind of the music center. The stage was kind of the bottom of the hill. And then there was some uh, stands, like most amphitheaters. Then there's a grassy area behind it, right? Mm-hmm. Then there's a fence behind it. And then there's Fairmont Park. So we, there were times where we would pay to go in, but there are other times where we would just go and hang out behind the fence. And you could hear everything. And as long as you didn't go, this is a, and this is a, I can't emphasize how very small of an area this was. It's actually a very, it's a long area, but not very wide. So the width of this is not wide. As long as you stayed in the light towards that fence, you were completely safe. You went back 15 yards, 10 yards maybe, if not less. It started getting a little bit darker, and then there were some woods. You didn't go back in that area. Because people would come in and out of there, and you didn't know what they were doing back there. So as long as you stayed towards that fence in the light, you were completely safe. And doing that, we were able to see, like, Moody Blues, Tracy Chapman, Doobie Brothers, Elvis Costello. I know I was inside for Steve Miller, for sure. Um, Saw the, heard the B-52s. And we also used to, after a while, we figured out, a lot of people just figured out, like, there was a gate there. And sometimes it was open, and sometimes we just walk right in. But if security caught you, they would just walk you right back out. And they'd smile to say, try again. And they would never, there were no consequences for sneaking in. Hmm. And that rounds out my, except for, the, okay, here's the one. Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania, 89. Mm-hmm. I say Bruce Hornsby in concert. Uh, Bloomsburg is where my brother went for a year and a half as a, uh, to start off his college career. He eventually went to St. Joseph's in Philadelphia. Bruce Hornsby was probably one of the best concerts I'd ever seen. Interesting. It was all. He was great live. It was a great performance. We were. We had literally. We had front row tickets. And when the concert started, he told everyone to get up. So we were literally the first people against the stage, like you know, his foot like inches from my face. And he was awesome live. And this last thing I'm going to say before I throw it back over to you, I saw Bruce Hornsby again for Brandy and I for our first wedding anniversary i think it was in 2002 in atlanta and bruce hornsby has the distinction of being one of the best concerts i've ever seen the second time i saw him i would consider that to be the worst concert i've ever seen wow he was horrible terrible 
All right, so what, I've taken what do you, what do you well, okay, so I've got to make some comments on all of you, all of this information that you've just dumped upon me. Okay. Um, so first is what do you what what accounts for that? Why was he terrible the second time? So we start we we went to it was like a benefit for I think the High Museum of Atlanta, mm-hmm. and he it's it's the when we saw him in '89 it was Bruce Hornsby in the range. So this is just Bruce mm-hmm. Hornsby by himself with a piano. Mm-hmm. And so he says one of the first things, he's like, I'm not going to play my songs like you know them. Which are right there, like, uh, you hear a groan. Oh, you've already got red flags, yeah. Yeah, red flags are just flying up. We didn't even mm-hmm. stay the whole time. Mm-hmm. Because it, it was so, he was singing the songs you knew in different paces, melodies, arrangements, and it was not fun at all. Like you mm-hmm. said with your... With your uh, Laura Branigan, I want to start with Gloria, end with Gloria, and Gloria in between. Yep. So that reminds, I mean, so that that was my Counting Crows experience. I'm not a Counting Crows fan. Go ahead, tell me about that. Where was that, Charlotte? Yes, I believe so. Either Charlotte or sometimes the sometimes it's Charlotte, sometimes it's Greensboro, sometimes it's Charleston. And the lifestyle being led at that time lends itself to not quite remember always. <laughs> but I will suggest that Adam Duritz would come out and oh, because he's a he's a freak, first of all. Um, who did you think I said? I was thinking of um, Black Crows, but I definitely do not. But but I definitely do. I hate Counting Crows. <laughs> like I don't okay. like Black Crows, but I hate Counting Crows. Well, so he would come out, and he was kind of Axel Roseish in his personality. That he was, you know, very moody, very temperamental, very melancholy, and that kind of pisses me off. That always pissed me off about the Smashing Pumpkins too. Um, is Billy Corrigan's a freak? Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I get artistic, whatever license and all that, but you don't have to act like you're some kind of, you know, you get life better than everybody else or something kind of vibe I, that just makes me mad. So he would come out and basically, you know, sing the songs that you knew, but he would make different lyrics up and it's like, come on, dude. We want to sing along with this. So right. that was that 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 always has irritated me. Now, I, I say that to say though, I've also seen Bruce Springsteen at the Fox in Atlanta. Um the Fox I Theater. Another show I saw there. And you know, so you've been if you've been to the Fox, you know how intimate that setting is. Yeah, um, I just remember two more that's <laughs> just the Fox. And he uh, he just did an acoustic show, just him. And he sang all of, I mean, so many of his songs, but Springsteen can pull that off. And it's still very much, you know, he leaned towards songs that were well-suited to have acoustical versions. Uh, you know, he doesn't play Dancing in the Dark in that setting, right. but he plays Born to Run, and it works. You know, he, he, he's very much aware of, of what music is, is flexible in that regard. And I always appreciated that. Um, I don't, I don't like the prima donna. Oh, I'm having a bad day. So I'm not going to give you the best concert you can get. 
So, you know, to heck with you. I'm not filling your bowl full of only green M&Ms just so you can feel like you have some sort of authority over me. <laughs> Sorry, well, that, think, was my, that was my soapbox. That's, that's a good rant. I like it. If I, I, I think that the great thing about seeing Genesis and Phil Collins and Don Henley and McCartney, all those around the 89, 90, was you got exactly, excuse me, the Phil Collins songs you wanted to hear. Don yeah. Henley played his songs plus the Eagle songs. You went, you heard Hotel California with him. You heard everything off of, um, I guess the album was End of the Innocence. Genesis, yeah. I don't remember what album that was, um, but they they played all the hits. Paul McCartney is like, you don't go to Paul McCartney and you say, I wish Paul McCartney had played this because it's like he knows exactly what you want to hear. Ah, and he's, he's going to play those Beatles songs that you want to hear. And and you you leave feeling like I just saw Paul McCartney, whereas I don't want to go and be like, man, I paid for Paul McCartney and I got him playing just a bunch of stuff. And there there are times, and I've never seen the Grateful Dead, but I think that's a good. If you go to a Grateful Dead concert, you're probably not going to hear everything sound the same. No. And and but Grateful, you know that you know that going in. Grateful Dead is a unique case too, um, and I'll, I'll get into that uh, when when I get to that stage of things and it looks like we're probably leaning towards a two-parter on this one anyway. I think um, we are. Cause yeah. Cause, uh, SG fans of the podcast know we like to try to keep it to 60 minutes and I'm monopolized a good 20 minutes there. Go ahead. Tell me um, a little bit more about, uh, how about the, how about the one we know for sure? I think we were together at two concerts in, in, in the early nineties. Well, well first, and, Three, and, 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 and I think this will get us to the point where we are probably ready to call it an evening and start talking about Mike Schmidt. Um, I have I had a couple other questions related to yours and some and some comments. Okay, so sure. first of all, uh, those those ones that I felt like you just kind of skipped over and threw in there at the end. Oh, and I saw uh, the B-52s and Phil Collins and Genesis and Paul McCartney and uh, Tracy Chapman and like like all of those are huge. <laughs> well, okay, so I thought Tracy Chapman was terrible and was extremely just like. I don't really like Tracy Chapman. I went because my brother drove and I could go with him. Did your brother have a fast car? Was it fast no, enough we, that we, you could we drive away? No, we drove my, mother, my mother's Hyundai XL, which is a horrendous Come on. car. You got to give me credit for that. I just worked in Tracy Chapman's yeah, fast yeah, car yeah. song into that. So He, he had okay. a ticket to anywhere out of here. So I, I, I love Tracy Chapman. Uh, so I, I, I'm not a fan. I, the, Doobie, the Doobie Brothers did not have Michael McDonald, but you know that was off the oh, tour yeah. where... Yeah, the music is yeah. the doctor, which is still a good song, and they sounded great. They played all yeah. their old stuff. I yeah. I don't remember. I remember being in Elvis Costello, and one of the people we were with. I remember holding up a beer and going, "Thank you, Elvis, for playing another song that yet no one of us knows." Uh, <laughs> I think I the only thing I knew he played was Veronica. Steve, mm -hmm. if you took the Steve Miller CD, you know the blue one that had like the horse yep. head on it. That yep. it's like if you go to college, you have to purchase the CD and put it in your collection. I think yes. he played that entire Greatest Hits album. Yeah. And op opening from for him, it was Luke Graham from Foreigner, who was and he Luke sang Graham. he sang Midnight Blue. Yes, and Hot Blooded. Yeah. Uh, which I was misunderstanding as Hot Buttered. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that's and a the B 52s the B-52s were off that tour of Cosmic, was it Cosmic Thing? Yes. And had not, and for me, the B-52s at that point, because I was only, I probably was a junior or senior in high school, 
So they later for me become a local band based on where I moved to. But they I remember hearing Rome and how good Rome sounded live. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm dying. Um, I would love to see the Doobie Brothers. They're on that farewell tour with Michael McDonald. They had New Orleans on their original tour schedule. Because of COVID, they dropped it, and they have a bunch of shows out in Vegas. I would go out to Vegas to see the Doobies. Maybe we should do that, Scott. Is that a challenge? I mean, I feel like I felt like you just threw that like a gauntlet down there. Is it? Is it okay? We've got to go see the Doobies in Vegas. Um, I mean, so I'm going to just have to say, you know, let's see what our sponsors do with that information. Are they going to send us to Vegas? I know some bastards at Fancy Feast that aren't. <laughs> well, just add that to the list of the things that they know that they've done. Um, but um, so I'm particularly, I love, okay, and, and I'm going to bleed over here. Uh, and, and, and so we're just going to go ahead and say that we'll do part two here soon, which is my concert coverage. Um, and, and the rest of yours, since you've only partially given your I'm, list. Here. I'm a third of the way through. Um, and ones keep coming up as we keep talking. I, um, I love, I always have, and I always will, um, love Miami Vice. And for me, one of the greatest scenes of all time on television history, and we can debate this on another episode at some point, but is the final scene of the very first episode of Miami Vice. Is it in the um, air tonight? Yes. And, you know, they're making the, the calls. They're get, getting ready to go confront Calderon. And, you know, Crockett and Tubbs have been through this, just trying to establish trust with one another uh, this whole episode. And they're making phone calls to their families because they're not sure if they're going to come back. And you don't hear any of this because all you hear is in the air tonight. Um, right. And, you know, of course, the, 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 that drum solo that everybody has to uh, pantomime whenever they hear it, you know, <laughs> riding in the car or whatever. Um, Phil Collins, to me, is I, I just love him. I really do. Um, he, is, he is somebody who I would love to, like, hang out with and just, you know, have casual conversation with. Um, he, is, he was outstanding live. He was yeah. really... And I, I, I saw him off of the, it wasn't No Jacket Required, it was the But Seriously Tour. Yeah. And Gen, I think Genesis may have been off the album No Son of Mine, which was really not a good album, but old Genesis. Well, I like, yeah. I don't like old, old Genesis, but, you know, that 70s, 80s, I'm not that, you know, into listening to the 20-minute instrumentals they had with Peter Gabriel. Well, that's, yeah, that's a whole other thing, is Peter Gabriel Genesis. Um which, you know, that could have probably come up in our second acts podcast. Yeah, uh, that's Genesis. <clears throat> yes. Um, but uh, I think we but did anyway. discuss we discussed Genesis and Phil Collins, but I don't know if we we specifically talked about Peter Gabriel. Yeah. Um so I would, you know, that that one to me is is probably out of all of the ones that you said cuz I have not seen Phil Collins. Um and I don't know that I would want to see him now. Um, unless it's to have the casual conversations that I'm talking Un about. Unfortunately, I think I read something just yesterday. It was a picture of Phil Collins when he performs. He has to sit in a chair. Yeah. And he looked yeah. really old. And yeah, it was it was sad to see not the not the guy with the long hair in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, 
you know, I, I, I would, I would love to at this point, just have, just have conversation with Phil. So, uh, I, yeah. for the interesting thing you're going to see Scott and, and for our listeners is the, is there's a line drawn in 1991 in the type of concerts I saw before I went to college and the types of concerts I saw after. I can get on board with that. So another one that I didn't throw out that was early on for me was Minute Work. Ooh. Which that's, that's something to be proud of. It was an I think that I would I think I would benefit more from seeing them on on like a reunion tour. Uh than I really got out of that particular concert at that point in time. I enjoyed their music. I had all of their cassettes, um, which, you know, at that time was two business as usual and, and cargo. Um, and uh, I was a really big fan. One of the songs that I really, really liked that uh, was not as not, it's not one of their more famous ones, uh, but is Dr. Jekyll, uh, or excuse me, Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive. Uh, if you don't know that song, go and listen to it. It's a, it's an outstanding song. I will story. listen to it. Um, it's an outstanding song. Uh, but uh, I, I just, they didn't perform, you know, they did Down Under, which was excellent. Uh, but the other, you know, they lived up to the hype on that one, but the other songs that they did, they just didn't, they didn't flow well live, I guess. Uh, you know, some bands just, I don't feel like, I, I feel like they're studio bands. Um, and, and live just doesn't That's do them true. any favors. Uh, and, and, and I felt like Minute Work was that way, at least then. Uh, but I also have uh, seen um, Colin Hay, the, the lead singer, uh, in concert by himself, and he was outstanding. Um, outstanding. And, of course, it was... 20 years past, you know, this was in the early 2000s, I think. Um, so anyway, um, all that to say, uh, we'll pick up on this next time because we're at the almost 58 minute mark. And uh, we need to talk about Mike and Donna. Okay. So, you know, I've, I've been putting a lot of thought into this and, you know, I, I feel like this should be a live event. Um, and if that means that we broadcast live from Mike and Donna's home, um, you know, or if we meet them at some designated place, some favorite venue of theirs, you know, you mean like or the fats, the fats cafe in Seneca, South Carolina, or if we want to invite them to come to Lilford's, um, you know, of course we'd get, you know, uh, one of our sponsors like Bluetooth or the internet to pay for this, um, uh, to, you know, meet them at Lilford's and just have an, you know, an on-air, you know, uh, quality time with, with Mike and Donna, uh, in celebration of their 50th wedding anniversary. Um, uh, I, you know, the, I'm, I'm just spitballing here. These, you know, I'm, I'm not married to anything yet. So, you know, what are, you, what are your thoughts on these ideas so far? I think when you talk about their 50th wedding anniversary, Lilford's, and you mentioned married the idea, I, I have this image of you and I officiating them renewing their vows. I am a notary public in the state of South Carolina. I think that's good enough. As, as well as an ordained minister. So, 
you know, we've got those bases covered. Um, you know, maybe you could, you could, uh, we could, uh, round up some, uh, can you, or as an ordained minister, can you ordain me? <laughs> like, a, is there, is there like a tag team kind of thing that like, if you tag me in, I am ordained. We could find you some, we could find you some critical roles in the ceremony. I have no doubt of that. Um, you know, we for security purposes, we need to make sure that nobody from Fancy Feast is allowed anywhere near this. Oh, no. Because um, if word gets out, they'll, they'll pounce. Yes, absolutely. Oh, I see what you did there. Pounce, cats. Oh, it's great. <laughs> um, so I think that, you know, we, we have, you know, we set this. So Lilford's has uh, some open outdoor space, you know, that they use for overflow parking next to the, next to the building. Um, we could, you know, sort of have a, you know, uh, a tent set up kind of thing out there maybe for the, uh, for the ceremony itself. Uh, perhaps even just do the whole thing in there. Uh, Lilford's, you know, will be right by their kitchen. They could continue to run their restaurant as they saw fit and, uh, just bring, you know, we could, we could set up the food because, you know, Lilford's of course caters, uh, and, and is available to cater your next affair, uh, but you know, I'm I'm thinking, you know, we set up, uh, you know, we set up at one end of the of of the big tent, you know, and I'm thinking big top tent here. Uh, one end of the tent, we set up the, you know, the uh, the uh, the chapel area for the renewal of the vows, and at the other end of the tent, once that ceremony is complete, which we would do live on the air, uh, uh, the other end we go back and we sit with uh, with Mike and Donna for, you know, three or four hours. <laughs> I, I feel like. Th- I feel like the the I agree the the renewal of the vows happens at home plate. The tents are set up at like a baseball diamond. Oh, I love it! Yes, and each hour is a, we're at a different base. Yes, yes, agreed. And so maybe the vow renewals come at the very end when we reach home. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So we 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 start out on on first base. You know, and, and then when we get to third base, we have to do something extraordinarily special because that was his position. That's a good point. I think the Philly fanatic is there at that point. Okay. Yes. Yes. Now, at what point, you know, maybe at, uh, as, as we continue to hash this out, maybe at each base, we bring in a mystery guest. Um, you know, uh, we pull Steve Carlton out of the, uh, uh, the uh, compound that he has uh, confined himself to. Uh, we so is, see... is it like there's like kind of like the this like an outfield fence that we construct and the bullpen swings open and the yes. fanatic is pulling like a rickshaw and there's yes. like famous fillies in the back. Yes, I love this. Oh, we're this is going to be great. This is going to be great. So, uh. Yeah, I think I think we get you know former Phillies uh, or, or you know it could be rivals too. Uh, who who is who's his like uh, who's his fiercest rival? I mean, Mike comparatively Schmidt. speaking, yeah. And, and, George, and this George Brett was a a peer of his, I would say. Was well, often yeah, compared but, to Brooks Robinson, but they weren't peers necessarily. But George Brett was American <laughs> League. Who was in the Who was in the National League that you know that competing against this era Phillies that, you know, would have really, you know, sometimes Mike had his number. Sometimes he had Mike's number, 
you know, or sometimes Mike had that team's number and vice versa. Yeah. Who, who do we say there? That's a good question. I'm so we got to have, I know he did always did very well at Wrigley field. Yeah. Yeah. For obvious reasons. Yeah. So, you know, these are things to think about, but I, I, I like the direction, you know, uh, when we get a little bit closer, we'll have to worry, work on details of like the cake. Um, you know, is that going to be like a, a, do we allow them to, to bring their, uh, their frozen wedding cake? I think that's more up to Lilford's than us. I think at that point, uh, it, okay. we have to defer. Well, I mean, we, we can, we can have some input. I mean, do we need it to be, you know, does it need to be because of the Phillies colors are, are, are at that time, particularly are, are red and blue that it has to be some sort of uh, strawberry, blueberry extravaganza? It's like a, well, it's like a, I would say it would be like a red velvet with a light blue icing. Okay, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. See, so we do have input, and I, I think Lilford's will, you know, we know the good people at Lilford's. They'll accommodate things like that. That's why they're so amazing. Yes, that, that, it's true, it's true. So uh, I, I think that... We've got some good progress made here in our brainstorming session, uh, and uh, some, and I'm sure our fans appreciate this. So, next time, folks, we will uh, we will go back to having a Mike Schmidt trivia question, and we will also uh, continue our uh, and 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 we're going to go ahead and guarantee this. There will be a part two to this part one immediately following this part one. Yes. Our next podcast will be part two of concerts. Agreed. And I think so, I have much as we get closer into the 90s uh, and into the 2000s. I'll have some more details uh, on some of the things that I've seen. Just the Athens, kind of like you, my stuff late night in Athens, Georgia at the 40 Watt Club, not always the clearest memory of who I saw there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Um, and I can, you know, I can, I would call it the, I think I could go so far as to call it the driving and crying condition. <laughs> because that condition is what, how I would associate every single driving and crying concert that I ever attended. And I probably <laughs> saw driving and crying somewhere between seven and 10 times. And I think seven to 10 times you saw a great concert. Oh, I did without question. Um, without right, question. So here's, here's something to think about. Here's my, I'll leave you okay. this challenge to think about knowing me and, and my thoughts on music. Mm -hmm. So up until 2017, mm -hmm. if I had been asked the number one band I wanted to see in concert that I'd never seen was Def Leppard and Poison. Hadn't seen them until 2017 and they were outstanding. And I'll get into that in the next one. So who do you think my number one band that I never got, knowing me and my, and my total taste of music, who's the number one band that I wish I had a chance to see? The Carpenters. That's a good guess, but no. I'm going to say ABBA. No. We could still what? see them. Or they, they had a tour can, canceled that they were going to do this year. So you're saying this is a band that you never could see now? I could not see now, no. The Beatles? No. All right, I, I give up. The Bee Gees. Mm. Yes. 
if I if I could and if I could go back and to me the Bee Gees would be a band where that I would want to see them uh, you know up until 79 in that range somewhere mm-hmm. because and we could talk about this on the podcast no other band was turned on like the Bee Gees were so I think even if you saw them in the 90s or the early 2000s before uh, Mars passed away that mm-hmm. it, it, to see them at their peak in the 70s would have to have been incredible because to to be alive during that time is to understand how big the Bee Gees were agreed agreed um and they're, how... they're they're a band that deserved more than oh this little band from the 70s is going to tour and we're going to go watch them and clap them and enjoy them uh, they were better than that uh who would i like to see that i cannot see bananarama or is are their members dead no Oh, okay. Uh, I I wish I'd seen The Grateful Dead at least once with Jerry Garcia. I should have done that. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna struggle with this for a little while, and and I'm I'm gonna have to hold on to that and think about it because I just I just don't know. Uh, I'm I'm sure it's probably going to be somebody. Out of the sixties, um, the Doors, but it could be someone out of the. I like a lot of Doors songs, but I would. I don't know that I would go so far as to call myself a Doors fan. I would say the exact same thing. I like a lot of a lot of their style and music, but um, mm-hmm. I, I, if you recall, Rob had a Doors tapestry hanging up. Remember that. Yes. I have a picture of you and him sitting in front of it. Yes. You should post that for our fans so they can get a visual on that. They should. Yes, you should. So, actually, I do think I could come to a conclusion on this, and this is where, we, if, if you want to wrap up, we can wrap up. Even though, technically, the two primary members of this band are still living, I don't think it would be the same to see them now because I just don't think they could pull it off anymore. I would love to see Led Zeppelin. Yeah, that'd be good. Well, I th- does does uh, John Bottom's son tour with them? Maybe so, but I just I have trouble with Robert Plant's voice now. Yeah, and, and Robert, I don't think I. Go ahead. Robert Plant's voice is in you know Led Zeppelin Prime. Is there's nothing that touches that. Um, his ability, his range. That high pitched. I mean, when you get into that, like uh, the immigrant song that you know that they use in the opening scene of one of the Thor movies, with that, ah, that. I mean, people can't do that. All right, so let's uh, do this. Then, let's go. Sorry, go ahead. The, I mean, but then you know, to be the same guy that sings like those deeply moving lyrics, like in the song "Going to California," you know. Or Stairway to Heaven, for that matter. Um, it, it's, or Sea of it's Love with the Honey Drippers. It's just, yeah. It's, it's just astounding to me. Uh, and, you know, Jimmy Page, certainly one of the, you know, certainly top five guitarists, best guitarists of all time, without question. Of course, uh, yeah. Um, 
and but but truly Robert Plant's voice uh and when you listen to Houses of the Holy or um or Led Zeppelin 3 uh just Battle of the Evermore Yeah uh, yes I mean it just so amazing uh I, yeah that that I think would be mine and I, I don't think you could get that now even if you know, you went to a reunion type. Tour what what is the sounds terrible? The song goes, dun, 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 dun. is it cashmere? Dun, 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 yes, dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. that's one of my favorites. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, anyway, um, All right, another so let's start song. Off our, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 I'm not going to go into that. Go ahead. I was man. just going to say, let's start off our, our next podcast with just like the question of I should have seen this person or this band because I already came up with several of mine just thinking this. So think of the ones, think of like five you should have seen. You had a chance to, you could have, but you didn't. And and it doesn't mean someone had to offer you a ticket, but you know, they came to your town and you're like, damn it. Why didn't I go see that? Yeah. I I mean, the, the, the trouble I'm going to have with that is that almost every time I went, Steve, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I, I very rarely turned it down. Uh, and and even that's even been a, a struggle with me. I mean, I went to see the Grateful Dead or, or, uh, earlier this year. Was it this year or was it the end of last year? Anyway, in the last six months, I went to see the Grateful Dead, and I'm, you know, nearly fifty years old. <laughs> so I I don't uh, I don't get as many invitations as I used to to concerts. Right. Yeah, you know, because the you, people you that you're the guy we made fun of thirty years ago when we were. Right, um, and I, I, you know, and I, I tried to be very cognizant of that and not get all, you know, I wasn't, and not that I've ever been much of the hippie dancer, uh, the you know, the, the hippie, hippie shake. shake Scott Scott Cornelius, um, yes, um, did that dance. Yes, he did. Um, but so yeah, I uh, I'm I'm very cognizant of that when I go to concerts, and I try to just <laughs> keep my focus on on the stage and and let everything else just kind of pass me by. So anyway. All right, sir. So we're at almost 75 minutes. So uh, we will pick up next time with the concerts that we missed or concerts maybe even that we wish we had seen. Yes. That, that could be another direction for that. So, And that will be our question to ponder. As and for this last up. minute, this last minute, Philip time, we'll just go ahead and sing Battle of the Evermore. <laughs> Queen of light took a bow, then she turned to gold. <laughs> Take it, Scott. No. The Prince of Peace. <laughs> My son just stuck his head in there and he said, what's, what's he doing? Yeah. Yeah, I was singing. Which, we have is, a visitor to the podcast. Jack has walked in. Uh, and, and, you know, if I'm going to start singing one, I'm going to say... Um, Spend my days with a woman unkind. Smoke my stub and drink all my wine. I've made up my mind to make a new start. I'm going to California with an ache in in my heart. See, that's the thing about him, man, is he could almost turn country in his songs. Rabbits? No, that was Led Zeppelin. <laughs> so, anyway... All right, we have made 75 minutes, so we are going to sign off from all of us to all of you. Thank you Thank for you visiting for the, the Nexus. Join us on Patreon. Join us next week. <laughs> Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye.